Welcome to the WealthStream Podcast. The team at Hightower Great Lakes share their insights and passions for empowering their clients to live their best life. In this energetic podcast, we will take you on a journey to help you navigate your financial future, overcome life's challenges to reach your financial goals, and find the financial clarity you've been searching for. Let's explore the downstream impact of your wealth and what it means to you, your family, and your community to live greater. Hello and welcome to The Wealth Stream with Tim Scannell from Hightower Great Lakes. Today we're going to be talking about all sorts of stuff. Tim, good morning. How are you? I'm good. about yourself, Eric? Oh, doing fantastic. I'm doing fantastic. Excellent. This is a great day. We're in the holiday season. Um, it's 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 year-end kind of stuff, and and uh, I'm excited. Oh, good. <laughs> Are you excited? Uh, I'm excited. Yeah, it is year-end, and we're talking about tax planning and charitable planning this year, so it's applicable. All right. All right. Where do we start today? So we've talked in the past that there are you know, five main categories or five main concerns that our, our clients have. It's wealth preservation, wealth enhancement, you know, tax planning, cash mm-hmm. flow planning, protecting their wealth, helping them transfer it. And the fifth area we focus on often is charitable giving. So today I want to talk about being tax efficient when you're, you're making your charitable gifts and mm-hmm. as a result being more impactful and hopefully contributing more. Yeah, I mean, I think that anybody who's given to charity already is really wanting to be more impactful with their gifts. And also, obviously, nobody likes to pay taxes. So <laughs> if we can kill two birds with one stone, if they uh, if that's the right saying for this scenario, I think that would be a good thing. Exactly. And, you know, there was a, a survey I had read recently where they said that 74%, you know, so three quarters of the people they surveyed, and these are affluent people with $500,000 or more, they want to make and they try to make significant you know, contributions each year. So in the survey, though, they also talked about, you know, unfortunately, only about one out of five of those people do anything other than just write checks or give cash. And so mm. what I wanted to talk about today was strategies that hopefully can make the, the gift more impactful and also give you some tax efficiency uh, com- versus just writing a check. Well, and I think that's the key is that people think that, okay, you're giving to charity, just write the check, right? Just just drop the cash in the bucket and stop worrying about your taxes. That's not the true meaning of giving, blah, blah, blah. But here's the thing. <laughs> like you said, if if we can do this in a way that allows their gift to go further and they can actually give more because of the strategies that you're helping them implement, that's what it's about. That's, that's where I, I think it's called being a good steward of what you have. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? The client, the, the tax itself or the tax planning or tax savings isn't the driver. Mm-hmm. You certainly need charitable intent You want it, that you want to do something good for some favorite organization. But you know, making the tax benefit, whether you want to keep the benefit yourself or as a result make a larger gift, it, that's up to the client. But we might as well do it more efficiently and take advantage of the laws. That's what I think. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm thinking it'd be nice to see money go into the hands of of uh, kids that need it or a, a local organization, single mothers that need it or whatever, instead of, you know, that uncle with a big beard and a funny hat. That's just me. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, if there, if people can take away one thing today, it's that think before they write a check, because I'll talk about it, some alternative ways to be impactful and also take advantage and be more tax efficient. All right. Let's get into it then. Okay. I'm here to learn, so, Tim. So, um, <laughs> again, just... Just being more tax efficient, I'll just give you one example. In Indiana, they, the state of Indiana has something called neighborhood assistance credits or NAP credits. And what happens is a, a nonprofit, a charity will apply for these credits. And then 
the state has a limited number, but they'll, you know, if it's a good project, it has to be for a specific project, they'll, they'll offer them. So, for example, our local Habitat for Humanity had received a $10,000 of net credits that they could use for a very specific project that they applied for. And I have a client who's on the board, uh, very interested, that's his passion. So we talked about rather than just writing a check for 10000 we identified some appreciated stock that he had inherited, he had received, and had you know, virtually no cost basis. And as a result, if he had sold that stock, he would have paid about $2,500 in tax. Wow. So, but by donating that stock as opposed to cash, that $2,500 uh, tax he would pay is avoided. So mm. he can give full $10,000 or he can give you know, $7,500 difference. So just by giving appreciated stock in this example... And that, this is just the first part. He was able to, you know, basically give twenty five hundred dollars more to the charity, or you know, save twenty five hundred dollars on his tax return. Either way. So in that example, you you've given ten thousand dollars to Habitat for Humanity. But one of the unique things about these NAP credits is you get a fifty percent state of Indiana tax credit. So you get a credit in this case of five thousand dollars on your tax return. So this is an example. Just again, this is an unusually highly leveraged or totally tax-efficient example, but in this case, $10,000 went to Habitat for Humanity. They received a $5,000 credit back from the state of Indiana and a $2,500 tax savings. So really, it was a $7,500 savings that the gift only cost them $2,500. So this wow. is what we would call like a four times or four times leverage example of don't just write the check, you know, think a little further and see, and see if there's a way you can really give more by using these tax benefits. Now that's so, spe- specific to Indiana, right? I mean, you, you said yeah. That's that just an example. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to give an example of something that is kind of really highly leveraged, but then yeah. lead into maybe some more common examples that anybody could do anywhere around the country. Yeah, and I do want to point out, Tim, that I to the audience that you do work in other states. You're licensed in other states, and so it would be uh, to their advantage to be able to say, "Hey, this is something that I'm I'm interested in." What do you see in my state? And so they either need to contact their local tax professional or they can contact you, obviously, and you can kind of put them in touch with people, I would hope so, right? Yeah, a number of these states have these programs. Um, nice. We have an office in Chicago, so we're in Illinois. We have an office up in Traverse City, Michigan, an office down in Florida. So we do operate in four states, I guess that is. Um, and um, we are familiar with all the state plans, though, because we just have a lot of clients all around the country. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's that's what I'm getting at is that this podcast is nationwide. If you're listening to this in any other state, just give Tim a call and find out what he can do for you or where he can point you in the right direction uh, to answer these questions. All right. So you said you're going to give some examples of what is a little bit more common. Yeah. So the, the first step in doing these, what we call tax-wise charitable planning is it really needs to be a comprehensive approach. So you need to step back first of all and just say, well, you know, how do I really want to address my wealth transfer? And do we want to make tax efficient gifts at death or, or during my life? Um, you know, for example, one of the things we talk to clients about is if you have charitable intent, if you're looking to transfer some money to a favorite charity upon your death, either your first death or the spouse's death, you know, just simply making an IRA beneficiary is one of the most tax efficient things to do. So if I said to myself, I, you know, I've got a $500,000 IRA, I want to make sure that 10% of that or some dollar amount goes to Purdue University, School of Agriculture, something like that. Mm-hmm. If I just simply name them as a beneficiary, that money bypasses you know, the tax, 
there's no taxes paid and it goes directly to the charity as opposed to if it goes to one of my kids, they have to pay taxes. Then they, you know, mm. give the money to the charity. It's just a more tax efficient way to do it when I'm doing wealth transfer. Got it. Okay. That makes a lot more so sense. So that, that, that's just an example of why I think you just need a comprehensive approach. A lot of times we talk to clients, talk to advisors, and they're doing piecemeal gifting. But the first step is really to step back and say, what is my overall goal? What's my charitable intent? Mm-hmm. And what are the most tax efficient ways to do it, you know, during my life or as I'm passing on? Yeah, absolutely. I think that I think and, that most folks out there have plans, right? I mean, they if they're giving to their church on a monthly basis, they kind of know what that's going to add up to by the end of the year. Maybe they have those favorite charities that they try to give to quarterly. And I mean, it, it's actually fairly easy to plan for most of that stuff, I would think. Yeah, so it really just involves thinking about it in advance. And then in our case, you know, working with us to make sure that we can help you process those. So mm-hmm. for example, I'll, I'll get into some very specific strategies once you've taken your comprehensive look. And the, the first is really t- getting back to what we talked about a minute ago, which is gifting appreciated stock. Okay. So most nonprofits, most charities, whether it's Boys and Girls Club, United Way, Habitat for Humanity, some of the bigger ones or smaller ones, they typically have a relationship where you can donate appreciated stock. So let's say you bought stock in Apple or IBM or you inherited stock. Uh, we've, we still have a lot of clients who have got the old baby bells and they split up and you know they can't really track the, the stock cost basis that they re- inherited from their parents. In that case, most of the, the proceeds, if you sold it, would be taxable. If instead of just writing a check, you donated that appreciated stock, you avoid the, the capital gain tax. And you, again, you just... Take, you're redirecting your dollars, plus also you're redirecting the IRS's dollars from the IRS to the charity. So I like that. That's kind of a one <laughs> fundamental thing to to think about. Yeah, I, I I like you know I have no problem taking my hand and putting it in front of Uncle Sam and letting him give me some cash that I can then pass to a a charity that's more a little bit more deserving than him. Yeah, I've I've seen it called you know redirecting social capital you know from uh, sending it to the government where they can spend it to sending it to a charity where you can direct it. So it's a little more control. Yeah, I, and, I, and I would 100% agree with that. For anybody that's listening, if you have not heard, uh, I think there's a report out. I don't know who does it. I'm, I'm not going to get into politics, but there's a report out every year on wasteful spending by the government. And one of the stats I heard uh, from this last year was that uh, we spent, the United States government spent $22 million teaching a foreign country how to make cheese. I could have just gone to Wisconsin. Do we right? want to? Do we want to give that money to somebody else to make cheese, or do we want to give it to people in our community? That, that's all there is to it. Sorry. Yeah. Generally, as a general rule, my clients would prefer to control and direct it and see Absolutely. the impact, you know, while they're alive. So one of the things that has changed with the new tax law is because of the item, the way the itemized deductions mm-hmm. work, and now people have larger exemptions and state income taxes and property tax deductions are limited. More and more people are not able to deduct the charitable contributions they're making. So one thing we talk to a lot of clients about, if you're 70 and a half or older and you're required to make required minimum withdrawals from your IRA, there is a, a provision that allows you to take a, an RMD, they call them, or required minimum distribution, and just transfer it directly to a charity. And the benefit is if I took $10,000 out of my IRA, I'd have to pay taxes, and then I write a check to the charity, and in many cases, it's not deductible. But if I just take the same 10000 and take it directly from the IRA to the charity, 
it, it bypasses my tax return, and as a result, I avoid the tax on it. So that's just a very efficient way to do that. And I, I, I have an example. I have a client of mine that we had went through and identified on his tax return how much he contributes to his church. Um, he Basically, five or six different charities he contributes to each year. We contacted those charities, and we set up a process where we're just moving money directly from his IRA to the charities. And as a result, he's, you know, he's getting the not paying the tax on the distributions. Yeah, and, and I was just checking something, because I had heard this before, and it's, it's a little over 90% of people in the United States should not be itemizing deductions. So in other words, 90% of us won't even really have the opportunity to itemize deductions because of the new tax laws, because they increase those standard deductions, which is a good thing that they increase those. Um, but I think there's a, a lot of people think, oh, I still need to itemize because I own a home, or I have this, or I have that. But it's a very slim percentage now. It used to be almost 50-50, and now it's, uh, the, the new statistics are saying that it's about 90% will not be itemizing. Yeah. yeah, generally, I just think the way the exemptions work, you know, if you don't have major medical that you're deducting, mm-hmm. you really need to be contributing ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 a year or more to really get those deductions. And yeah. you know, we have a lot of clients who do that, but we have also have a lot of clients who don't. You know, so if you're not over 70 and a half and you're not required to make these required minimum distributions from the IRA, another strategy we've implemented is by setting up donor-advised funds. Mm-hmm. So take an example of somebody where if you look back on your tax return last year and you calculate, you, know, you gave $5,000, let's say, to your church, you gave money to your university, to the local Boys and Girls Club, YMCA, whatever. And let's say, for example, that total is $10,000. In that, if you just do that ten thousand a year for the next three years, you are likely not going to be able to deduct it. But let's say you you want to just do the thirty thousand dollars, you know, three years of contributions, make a contribution to a donor advised fund. You can deduct a portion of the contributions at least, and then once it's in that donor advised fund, you can control and determine how it's allocated and how it's you know transferred out to the charities and the, the timing, the nature, when, how, etc. So you can get the deduction all in one year by, by kind of loading up the contributions in one mm-hmm. year and then, you know, doling it out over the three-year period. And what happens then is um, you, you get at least some deductions and a lot of, you know, all the control at the same time over when and how the money's paid out. Yeah, absolutely. So in year one, basically, you're saying that they would be able to itemize their deductions. They would be able to take advantage of this in, a, in you know, for tax purposes and then the next two years, they would basically be taking the standard deduction because they wouldn't have those charitable contributions in those two years. But they've gotten a huge advantage in that first year. Exactly. And then maybe do it every two or three years. Or, you know, I have instances where a client is selling land and they inherited it. It's highly appreciated. Um, they're looking to retire. You know, the land is farmland. It doesn't really generate enough income. Mm-hmm. So they would like to sell the land to invest in something that generates cash flow for retirement. But... They're not necessarily wanting to avoid the tax. So when they sell it, they also have charitable intent. So it's a big tax year. So that's a year where you might just load up, you know, the the, the donor advised fund mm-hmm. with maybe several years of contributions. And the nice thing is, you know, like Fidelity has them, Schwab has them. They're these accounts that are managed. They they grow. You can still invest it, invest the funds, and then you just make the contributions each year or whatever at whatever pace you want. So nice. you have a lot of control over when. Yeah, a lot of flexibility. I like that. And then I, I do have some clients who, 
take it a step further and they might set up a, what they call a private foundation. And, you know, typically what happens is, you know, just to do a compare and contrast, in the private foundation, the money goes in there just like we talked about, but um, the donor has a lot more control over how it's invested. They can set up an infrastructure where maybe they're hiring managers. Um, so it operates a little more like a, an ongoing you know, entity or business to some mm-hmm. extent. Whereas in the donor advised fund, technically you have the ability to recommend you know, to Fidelity where that money goes. And the reality is that it, you know, as long as it's a regulated, current 5013C approved, you know, they, they can do it. But with, the, with, with clients who want to make, uh, have a little more control over how and when the funds are transferred, they might consider a private foundation. Now, the disadvantage is they're more expensive because mm-hmm. you have you know, the legal process to set it up. There's tax returns, et cetera. So a lot of times it's based on how much you want to put in there and what kind of control. Um, the, the examples of ones that I've worked on with clients are situations where you know, the client wants to make sure that his, in, his donor intent, you know, the purpose for setting this up, lasts beyond his lifetime. Mm-hmm. And he, can, he then has the ability to set up like succession plans. His kids are going to be involved in managing how and when those funds are transferred out. So, you know, he, he just has more comfort that his intent for setting up the money will ultimately go to where he wants it to go. Whereas maybe in a donor advised fund, you know, when he passes on, Fidelity or the charity or whoever's involved will have a little more control. He just wants to make sure he has more control over where it goes. Gotcha. Yeah, that's good. So in addition to, you know, just talking about regular gifts, you know, one of the other, I guess the final area where there's a tax efficient strategies for giving is what they call charitable trusts. And charitable trusts are used oftentimes when there's maybe client is selling a business. The example I gave of the farmland, you know, so you've got farmland where you don't necessarily um, get a lot of cash flow from it. Mm-hmm. You ultimately, let's say in, this, in the case that I worked on, they wanted to give or transfer the farmland ultimately to Purdue University School of Agriculture. But at the same time, they need income during their lifetime, you know, obviously to live. Mm-hmm. So a charitable trust, what happens is you transfer the land, in this example, into the charitable trust. So you avoid the capital gain or the tax that's due on it. You do also get a tax deduction, a partial tax deduction for the value you give. You get income from the trust for life. And then ultimately, in the remainder trust example, the, the land ultimately will go to the, to the charity, the designated charity, Purdue in this case, when you're gone. Okay, so does, when it goes into the trust, is it immediately sold or is it, does it sit there? How does that work? What happens is, you know, it depends on the charity. I've, I have a client who donated a commercial building to a university, mm-hmm. and the university just said, look, we're not in the commercial building business, and we're not good at it, so they actually went out and they sold it. In the case of the, you know, the, school, of, the school of Agriculture, they are, te- you know, they're in the agriculture business, they're, and they, they're actually using it. They're using yeah, the property. Like um, <laughs> yeah, so it was, it was a really good fit, and they're just a, they're all, they all have the same passion, basically, you know, family farming. Nice. So that worked out. So it really depends on the charity. A lot of charities especially boards don't want the risk of owning property. Mm-hmm. So they might typically just sell it to, to get that liability off. Yeah. But um, you know, in this case with Purdue, it was just a natural one. Fantastic. Tim, what else do we need to cover today? So I think, I think I covered the main things I wanted to, which is, you know, if you're just writing a check to a charity, that's awesome because you obviously are trying to give back and support 
your passionate, your, your, your local charity, your nonprofit, et cetera. But just by thinking of different tax-efficient ways to do it, you could either give more or at the same time, you know, provide some tax benefits to yourself. Yeah. And whether that first thing you have to do is just comprehensive look, you know, look at your whole strategy, whether you want to do it during your life or at your death, and then really think about, you know, do I have RMDs that I can transfer to charities? Do I, should I set up a charitable trust to provide me more cash flow? Um, how about a donor advised fund to maybe get a deduction at the same time control? And if I really want control funds long-term, a private foundation, but either way, it's maximum leverage that you're trying to do. And, and you're still making a difference. You know, the, the charitable intent, your desire to help the charity is ultimately the, obviously the key, but, you know, you can make it more impactful, I think, if you just consider some of these strategies. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you've, you've given lots of options. You've given lots of ideas. And each one of these options, each one of these ideas has a lot of moving parts. So if you're listening to this and you're very interested, please contact your advisor, your professional that you work with, chat them up, talk to them about this, see what strategies they have in mind. And of course, I'm going to plug Tim because I know him and I trust him. If you don't have an advisor or you, your advisor's never spoken to you about this and they know that you're very charitable, I would say it's time to look at a different advisor who has that in mind, what you really, really care about. So Tim, how do they get a hold of you? So you can always reach me at my direct phone number, which is 219-246-5370. You can email me at tscannell at hightoweradvisors.com, or they can reach us at Hightower Great Lakes. And on that website, we have a number of resources, white papers that talk about each of these topics. Yep, And we will be adding the, the link to the website and the link to Tim's direct email in the podcast summary. So if you're listening to this right now and you're driving, look at it later. But if you're not driving, uh, you can go to the podcast summary and you'll see those links. Go ahead and click on that and that'll take you right to the website or it'll open up your email browser so you can email Tim directly. Tim, this was a fantastic podcast. Uh, really, really enjoyed it. I, I love picking your brain on things. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. Oh, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Hey, you bet. And I want to thank you all for listening to the Wall Stream Podcast with Tim Scannell. If you have not subscribed to the podcast, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Tim comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. And this one right here. I know that you guys are talking amongst yourselves with, within those charities that you work with. You know other people that, that give to those charities. You know other people in your church that give to the church. This is a great podcast to share. Help them to make more of an impact in the community and watch what happens in your community when you do. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Hightower Great Lakes, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the WealthStream Podcast. We hope you gained some valuable insight that you can apply to your life and share with others. Please don't forget to subscribe below to be notified when new episodes become available. And don't forget to live greater. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Hightower Great Lakes. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified 
financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Hightower Great Lakes is a group of investment professionals registered with Hightower Securities LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors LLC.